Welcome to Metanoia from thebestschools.org, where we explore the beliefs, events, and pursuits that shape the minds and lives of both ordinary and extraordinary people. I'm Rich Tatum. On Saturday, January 14, I enjoyed an incredible opportunity to attend the 2017 Cubs Convention, the first Cubs Convention ever to celebrate a world championship. There, I was privileged to interview one of baseball's true legends, Chicago Cubs All-Star pitcher, Cy Young Award winner, and the only Canadian in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, Ferguson Jenkins. Jenkins' star is so bright, even this non-athlete found himself occasionally tongue-tied in the interview. While major league pitchers are a breed apart, the gentle six-foot-five Fergie Jenkins stands out more than most. A nearly perfect pitcher, Jenkins struck out over 3,000 batters and allowed less than 1,000 walks during his entire career. For Fergie, every pitch against a batter was an opportunity to win against an opponent. Listen in as we explore just what constitutes the mind and attitude of a lifetime winner. I'm here in lovely frigid downtown Chicago with the inimitable Ferguson Jenkins. Your friends and your fans call you Fergie. Definitely, yes. And you, you really almost need no introduction. You're like royalty in baseball with 3,000, over 3,000 hits out with less than 1,000 walks, uh, seven season wins with 20, over 20 wins. Uh, it's, it's incredible, your accomplishments. Uh, you're, uh, Hall of Famer, you, you've led the league in a number of stats. Uh, but what I'm interested in is what goes into that mindset? What makes a winner? Well, you know, I think it was from 19, maybe 67 through maybe 82 or 83. Uh, I led the league in wins percentage wise. Uh, and as you said, 3,000 strikeouts. To prepare yourself for a game, a lot of times uh, with a four-man rotation, you knew if you pitched on a Monday, you were pitching again on Friday. So you could just look at the schedule a lot of times and see what team you were going to face. And I used to keep a, they call it just a, a theoretical book on hitters. From spring training through uh, maybe the all-star break until they started to bring up rookies or bring uh, players up that uh, maybe you might have an injury on a ball club so they would substitute players. What I tried to do is understand he was a right or left-hand hitter or a switch hitter, what his dominant pitch he liked to hit. If he was a first ball hitter, a hitter that hit deep in the count, or a good breaking ball hitter. And I would have that book and I would check off if Bill Hans was pitching or Kenny Holzman or whoever the pitcher that pitched before me, I would watch hitting tendencies Guys that shortened up on the bat, like Rico Cardi with two strikes. Right. Uh, guys that Pete Rose took the first pitch every time you were out there pitching against him, Cincinnati, when he was a leadoff hitter uh, back in the 60s. So you were looking for their signature, their style, oh, their, definitely. their patterns of, of habit. Right. And I mean, that, that's something that, that a pitcher should learn. Uh, you shouldn't have to look in a scouting report, because sometimes scouting reports are, are not good. Uh, some, some of them are, some are not. Uh, they, they look at the, the hitter, hitter's tendencies. I looked at, at their strengths. Right. And I was pitching to my strength, trying to, to work on their weaknesses. So you were matching strength against strength? A lot of times, yes. 
Every hitter has a weakness. Maybe uh, late in the count, he chases breaking balls. Maybe late in the count or early in the count, he chases high fastballs. Mm. So this was part of what the, the catcher, whoever I had, here I had Randy Hunley, Texas I had Jim Sundberg, Boston I had Carlton Fisk, and with the, with the Phillies I had either had Dal Ripple or Corrales, who Corrales and I, we played together in the minor leagues, a double A, triple A, and in the big leagues. So a lot of times the catchers and, 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 and yourself would have an understanding how we're going to pitch a certain guy right. when the game started. Right. If I would be able to pitch through the middle innings and maybe get to the ninth, we understood that if we had to get to the top of the lineup again and we had a, a one or two run lead, now is the time to not make mistakes to put runners on. Don't walk anybody, don't give up the extra base hit, and try to make the hitter hit the ball on the ground. I, I was, especially in Wrigley Field and Fenway Park and even in Texas, ballparks are small. So, and my plaque in uh, Cooperstown, it says, out of my 19 years, which I didn't play 19 years, I played 18 years. 18. I played in hitters' ballparks, 12 of those. I was going to talk um, about that. So, and, and the six years I played in Texas, we, we played in a stadium called Turnpike Stadium, right along the Turnpike, very small ballpark, had a short porch to left field, uh, not bad to right, but the thing is that you had to be very careful with the wind factor in Texas. The wind blew across and out to right, and later on, as, as, it got, uh, as, as nighttime really showed up, you had to be careful to left field. In Wrigley Field, you had to be careful all the time. All the time, right. And Fenway, same way. Ball jumped to... It jumped to left field at the wall, 60-foot wall. But you, you've, been, you've been quoted as saying that when you step up to pitch against a batter, you always respect the batter. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they got to the big leagues similar to what I did, working hard to get there to get established. And then you looked at the veterans, guys like Mays and, and Aaron and uh, Tony Oliva. I mean, there were so many guys, Clemente, Cepeda, so many good hitters, Rose, that... That respect, they're not trying to hurt you, but they're trying to beat you. So the beating part of it is, is to me, wins and losses. And that's the only way you can tell a pitcher with his strength, how many games he pitches in and the end result, how many wins he had over the course of a season or the course of his career. I had a pretty good winning percentage against certain ball clubs. Uh, I tried to utilize that every time I went out there. The team that traded me, the Philadelphia Phillies, I have an outstanding winning record against their, yeah. their organization. Only because I wasn't mad because I got traded. I didn't use that as a, as, as a focal point to pitch better against them. I just wanted to prove to them they made a mistake. <laughs> uh, and you, that made them losers. Yeah, definitely. And I tried to win. I tried to win every game I pitched, but that's not going to happen. Well, but you did a pretty good job. Try when to, you yes. step up on the mound and you face down your opponent, you know, the batter is your opponent, what goes through your mind at that point? What, what frame of mind do you have? What's your mentality? First time I face a hitter, regardless if he's a veteran or, or a rookie, if I know who he is, I'm trying to get ahead in the count. Stay ahead in the pitcher's count, not the hitter's count. So the pitcher's count, is, it could be uh, one ball, two strikes. It could be 0 and 2. It means I'm ahead in the count. So if I fall behind two and one or three and one, now I gotta, I gotta throw a certain pitch that maybe he likes better than others because I don't wanna walk him. And I, and I, I always said that walks score eight or nine out of 10 times. You know? And the leadoff hitter in inning scores. 
You pitched from behind better than anybody many of your teammates knew. Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Right. You know, and I got I had to get even in the count. I, I didn't like to get to three and two because that meant you got to come in, throw a certain pitch. If I got to three and two, the number one thing is I wasn't going to walk in. Right. Don't look for a walk because I'm not out there walking. <laughs> and I could throw slider, curveball, fastball, even a changeup, three and two, and throw a strike with it. Because if you were up there to take to get a walk, <laughs> you're you got the wrong pitcher. So, so there are winners and there are losers. But a lot of contemporary modern culture is giving everybody a trophy for playing. How do you feel about that? You, you probably didn't raise your kids that way. Well, I, I tried to get them to work hard at, at whatever they tried to accomplish. Right. Uh, my first three uh, girls, uh, Kelly Dolores and Kimberly, I tried to emphasize nobody's going to give you anything. you got to work at it. And they were very fortunate. I didn't get a chance to go to college, so I gave them the opportunity. Uh, and they all graduated, and they all have uh, really good jobs. And Raymond, uh, my son from my second marriage, uh, he's trying to get his master's degree right now uh, in criminology. He's a pretty smart young man. But the thing was that I had the money because of the fact that there was a good pension plan, thanks to Marvin Miller. Okay, back to winning and losing, some people believe or seem to feel that when they face tragedy that they're losing somehow. And, and there are very few people that I've read of that have faced the kind of tragedies that you've had to survive. And is it, how, how do you take a winner's attitude and deal with tragedy? Because you don't feel like you're winning when you're suffering that way or your family is suffering. Well. I try to stay positive most of the time. Uh, I've had uh, as tragedies in my life. Especially lose, I lose, lost my mother early. Uh, she was very young to cancer. Uh, I lost a wife and a daughter to a car accident. I, I just think that uh, uh, talking to people, talking to uh, the clergy. My, my second wife was Catholic, so I had a chance to sit down and, and talk to a, to a few uh, people of the church. And I've been, I'm a devout Baptist. I've always been a Baptist. My mother was a Baptist. I, had to, I tell people I had to go to church sometimes three times on Sunday. I taught Sunday school, I sang in the choir, and my mother wanted to go to church in the evenings. So if I had to play sports on a Sunday, I would try to convince my, convince my mother to have my grandmother or someone take her to church because of the fact that I had to play sports. I just think that and when I lost my wife and my daughter, I, I, I sat in a, with a group session with people that other had, uh, had other tragedies, seeing drownings or fires or car accidents, things like that. And we all have a story in our life. You can't life. compare. Everyone's no. tragedy is totally is, different. It is different and right. it's their own. And sitting and listening, uh, having a, a discussion with other people that have had things like that in their life, you know, I feel their pain too. And I had pain, but I tried to make it positive. When it was done, you know, you sit down and I have a quiet time, you know, after funerals. And a lot of people think, well, you cry, that's a weakness. No, I've sat down and a lot of times cried by myself, sat down and cried with Raymond, my son, with the time when he lost his mother, who was only 11. Uh, when I lost my mother, my dad and I just sat. Uh, my dad was kind of the stoic. Well, he, he had a bit of a weakness, too. Uh, uh, my mother was only 52 when she died of cancer. And my dad really didn't remarry. 
He uh, stayed at home, and uh, when I bought my first ranch, he ended up living with us. I converted, uh, I had a very large house, converted a basement into an apartment, uh, and uh, he lived with us for like 10 years. But the thing was that we just sat and we discussed that, you know, tragedy is, is part of life. We're not all going to live on this earth for 100 years. So things can happen. And my mother died young at 52, cancer. Uh, I lost my wife in a car accident. She was only 32 at the time. And, and my daughter, she was only three. So I, you know, it was something that you can't foresee. No. Nobody can foresee. Or prepare that. yourself right. for. Right. And you can't compare yourself to other people. Now, I always said, you know, you know, you climb up that mountain and you hope the climb is gratifying. But when you got to go down the other side of the mountain, a lot of times there's tragedies. You said once in an interview when somebody asked you about this that, that you, you, they asked you whether you were being tested or punished and, and you said that sometimes you felt it was a bit of both. Do you still feel that way? Is, is there punishment in it or is it, is it something else? Well, it, at one time I thought maybe I was getting tested. They say the Lord in, in the Bible won't give you more than you're able to handle. And at one time I said, what is going on here? You know, I don't need to be tested anymore, especially when you have to, to bury loved ones. Just because you can survive it doesn't mean you should. Yeah, right, yeah. And to go to, to funerals, to go to funeral homes or wakes, and you're sitting there and people are, you know, trying to give you well wishes, things like that, and, and your loved one's in a casket. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tragedy, sure. But how, how do you cope with it? And there's some quiet times that I've had by myself and just said, you know, I'm going to get through this. Uh, I've got three daughters. I've talked to them all the time. I have a son. And we just, we got through it. And it, it took a little while. There was some times that Randy Hunley, who's a really good friend of mine, and Ernie Banks and Ron Sano, uh, have, have, Ronnie and, and, and Ernie are gone, uh, Joe Pepitone, Billy Williams. And we've talked about, hey, how are you going to get through this? And I said, hey, I got plenty of friends. Things have been working out. And I, 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 I talk a lot. And if, if it happens, I just talk about talk it. Talk it out. So, don't hold it in. So what gives you joy today? You know, I do a lot of appearances. I started this uh, charity. We thought about it 20 years ago, putting on a golf outing for the Red Cross. And then the second year we did it, we, we, we did cancer research for my mother, and we did the CNIB, which is Canadian Institute for the Blind. And then I started Boys and Girls Clubs, other different uh, situations, uh, juvenile diabetes. And Ron Sano had it because uh, he had... Uh, he had diabetes. We started a, uh, just a, a meeting where we'd bring uh, other ball players in, sign memorabilia, and donate monies to, to different charities. Uh, I, I like to see people smile. Uh, I come to this Cub convention, this is like my 21st, uh, and little kids come up to you, you got no idea who you are. But the parents are telling him, hey, I seen Fergie Jenkins pitch, da 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 da. He did this, he did that. And the kids, it, it goes right by him. But you sign their ball, they look at it and they go, wow, I can read it. <laughs> and I always said that I had a math teacher, Robert Waddell. Uh, we had, when we'd have a test, he would always tell his students, if I can't read your name, you get no marks. It's not a puzzle. It's just you reading your name so I can read it <laughs> and things will be just fine. But I mean, th these situations here now, of, of signing your name, 
uh, memorabilia. People want it on a bat, they want it on a ball, on a shirt. And you love to see them smile. And they thank you for it. And that's gratification in my, and it's, it's respect. Yeah, yeah. So you said you never had a chance to go to college, but I've been told you're a great reader. Yeah, I read a lot of books. What do you like to read? Uh, right now, I probably read a lot of hunting books uh, of how to hunt, how to survive. If I'm out someplace that I haven't hunted before, maybe Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, wherever, Pennsylvania. I don't get cold. I'm very lucky I don't get cold. I, I, I hunt with no gloves sometimes or the, or the fingertips cut out of the gloves. Uh, I've hunted in blizzards. I've hunted in uh, windstorms. And I've had to walk back to my truck. I've been lost only one time. Uh, I was hunting uh, up around... Uh, James Bay, and I got turned around in, in what they call a, uh, a pine forest. The trees were really close together, and we were hunting moose. And it had snowed earlier, so I followed some tracks, and all of a sudden the tracks crossed. I, I, I followed another track. The sun was in front of me at the beginning, and all of a sudden, boom, the sun's on the side of me. I went, whoa. So I said, do I follow my tracks back? I said, no. And I didn't have a compass. I just said, the sun's on my right side. I'm going to continue to keep it on my right side, and I'm going to go straight back. And I found a logging road. Uh, I was supposed to be back at this logging road at 5 o'clock. I didn't show up to the logging road until like 9. And I had flashlight, and I had matches, and I had a gun with shells. And I, I knew I wasn't lost to the point where it, it was, there, was, there was going to be, uh, I'd have to make a, a fire. To, <laughs> yeah, I had to make a fire and stay out overnight. I walked back. It took me an extra three and a half hours. Finally, I got back to my truck and got back to the camp. And the guys were all, what are you worried about? We thought you shot a, a moose and you had a problem. I said, no, I got turned around, but I'm fine. I'm back here at camp. And I, was, I got back to the camp. It's like 9 o'clock. Wow. You, you played at the top of your at league uh, hockey in high school. You played basketball with the Harlem Globetrotters and you played basketball in high school. You lettered five times in high school. Hockey, track and field, basketball, baseball. And, and now you're telling me about exploits as a hunter. Um, what and you've run for office. Right, yeah, parliament, run for the Liberal Party. Yeah, and you've, you've managed a farm. Uh, you had to learn how to ride a horse. So what, what can't you do? Well, uh, what's, what's next for you? What are you going to uh, learn how to well, do? This foundation, we're trying to be, make sure it's successful. Working hard. It's been 20 years. Uh, I don't know how many more years I'm going to do it. But as of right now, we're, I'm, I'm enjoying doing it. We go to uh, different functions. We do the all-star games. We do minor league teams. Uh, I get invited to men's clubs, and we talk uh, basically about my career, and if people want to, it's like a meet and greet type situation, I sign autographs. The other thing about reading books, I love to read sport books. Because every athlete has a different story. From Whitey Ford to Willie Mays to Frank Robinson to uh, uh, Wade Boggs. Reading the, their biography. And every, it seems like after their fifth or sixth year of playing professional baseball, basketball or hockey, everybody has a theory on got them to where they're at now. Bobby Hull, Will Chamberlain, and I've got all these books, and I've got a lot of them signed by the athletes, and I had a chance to meet them at maybe at banquets. Uh, a rare situation, Veda Pinson, and, uh, and uh, Ernie Banks, and uh, Kurt Flood, all born in the southern states, had, had a chance to, to play 
under this discrimination. I didn't have a chance that early in my life because I was born in Canada, but when I had to face it at 18, 19 years old, I kind of looked at it a little different because of the fact that why, why do these people dislike me all of a sudden? And all I'm trying to do is to be a professional athlete, move on in my career, and get to the major leagues. But there's always something that you hear and you say to yourself, this individual doesn't even know me. But that's part of what discrimination is all about. So you speak about the story that every, every sports, every athlete has their story. What, right. what, got them, what do you think your story is? What, what do you want people to know about the Fergie Jenkins story? Well, I've always told people I'm a hard worker. I enjoy work. My dad always told me that nobody's going to give you anything. You have to earn it. Uh, my mother used to always say, what you start, finish. Yeah. And I tried to have that theory when I pitched a lot of times. Going out there, uh, you're the starting pitcher. If you can get to the ninth inning and be winning in a situation, why do they need to have the bullpen help you out? Just go out there and do your job. And your job is to, to be a winning pitcher. And I tried to keep that theory going uh, throughout my career. Uh, I mean, it's just something that uh, it's worked for me. I'm not saying it's going to work for half a dozen other athletes, but other athletes, sure, they have their, they have their theory on what they try to do to be a winner. It could be a hitter, base stealer. You know, Maury Wills' story, he played nine years in the minor leagues before he got to the big leagues because he was a switch hitter, and the, and the Dodge organization didn't need switch hitters at one time. And then he, 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 he said to himself, says, hey, if I can get on base, I can steal bases, in which he studied the pitchers. Wanna, stole 100 bases a couple Re of times. Reinvented himself. Oh, yeah, really, that's it. And, uh, I mean, everybody, as, as I said, everybody has a story. And I think uh, when you look at it, uh, because of the fact that the odds weren't against him, but you worked to achieve a, a goal. And I think everybody has a goal. Well, at 74 years of age, I can't tell that you're a day over 50. <laughs> I think I got my father's genetics. He, I think you he, are. Looked, he still looked young when he passed away, and he still had all his hair. <laughs> I started shaving my head when I was 30. I started losing my hair. Well, you are finishing well, friend, and thank you for the time, for pleasure. this interview, and for your, your generosity. Thank uh, you. You're, you're a pleasure to meet, and you're a hero to many. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Metanoia. If you have any feedback, please leave comments at our website, thebestschools.org, where you'll find this interview and many others. Also, be sure to subscribe to our feed, leave a review on iTunes, and tell your friends. Thank you.